The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Appreciate y'all for joining us this Wednesday evening. As per usual, it is always a pleasure to come in here and hang out with you guys to talk a little bit about what's going on in the sports world today. Or if you're listening to us at another time, we always appreciate that as well, too. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, today's show is going to be... We're going to call it a football show. Last week we had the football master, if you will, and Zach joins to talk about spring football. Now we're going to talk about NFL football, but going on in the spring a lot today. Yeah, I mean, does it surprise anybody that we're going to have a football show after we just talked about how we really talk mostly football during the NFL offseason? It feels like that, that that's the most football we normally talk. And by the way, the combine just finished. So why not talk football? Because now we have a month, basically, until the draft in Kansas City, a month and a half. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of speculation to be made until then. Absolutely. There's a speculation. There's some trades that'll go down. There'll be some bidding wars. There'll be some free agents that are right around the corner as there were some recent as some recent developments take place as well, too. So we got a lot to get into. And, you know, what, I don't know about you, but we're about 90 seconds in and that might be 92 long before we get started. So we'll go and leap right into our first segment, also known as the tip off presented, of course, by SeatGeek. Use code BellyUpSports for $20 off your first order. When you sign up as well to get the best seats, you can get the best seats for your buck at SeatGeek as well. And you know what? We're going to go and just start things off. Offseason underway Tuesday, roughly 24 hours ago, if not less, or a little bit more, I should say. Franchise tag deadline. There were some guys that got tagged that you expected, some that got some interesting tags, and some that didn't have to get tagged because they went straight to the market. They're going straight to the market as well, too. So I want to go and start with a couple of them that, that stick out as far as guys that got tagged. Tony Pollard, your boy with Dallas, good move. I think we both agree on that one as well, too. He's arguably yes. one of your big home run threats. You can't let him walk. No, no. this That had to have happened if you're Dallas. If you do anything other than that, you messed up. Uh, that's that's simply Unless you paid the man, that's the only other way that you could have done this, and it didn't wasn't a bad situation. Exactly. And another one that sticks out is Deron Payne with Washington getting the franchise tag, which he was expected to be a top one of the top two or three free agents, so. If nothing else, I like this because you can leverage them in a trade, especially with like Chicago. If you're trying to, if Washington's going to try and be that ballsy and climb up 14 spots or wherever it would be, Deron Payne's a pretty good option to have if you want a franchise tag and trade him as well. Or this gives you a chance to keep that fearsome, foursome defensive line going intact a little bit longer as well, too. So for that one, that makes sense too, even though it's a hefty price tag for one of four first round off defensive linemen that they already have. Yeah, no, Deron Payne, look, it had to happen. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, you know, it's one of those things. I honestly don't know if he is going to stay there through the trade deadline, but mm-hmm. I'll be honest and say that I think that they need to keep him nonetheless. That defense is is what keeps that team in games. And depending on what they do here, obviously you got Eric Bieniemy in the offseason. Depending on what they do here in the draft, you have Sam Howell, potentially another quarterback to, in this conversation. It, you know, maybe they go out and get another running back. Maybe they go and look at a another quarterback that has a franchise tag on him but uh yeah we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what they do here but it's you had to start here with Ron Payne you had to you had to confirm that you're gonna have your dear defensive line for at least the trade deadline exactly and those are some of the big names plenty of other guys getting the franchise tag as well too that definitely definitely a lot of not too many that didn't make sense as well too we'll talk about one that was that was a little what the heck a little bit later as well too I think that's the one we're all waiting on we'll get to that one here in a little bit that one's a different breed but we're going to talk with some of these signings as well that have happened as well as looks like the the car has found a new garage in the Big Easy as Derek Carr is heading down to New Orleans who 
somehow managed to find a way to get the salary cap to afford that. You're somehow they've they've been in hell salary cap purgatory for half a decade now, and yet they still found a way to bring in Derek Carr for four years and 150 million. So we'll ignore the salary cap implications of it because there's a lot more that goes into that than either of us know. Because on the surface, this makes no damn sense to me salary cap wise. But as far as the player to the team, what's your initial thoughts on Derek Carr uh, heading out of Vegas and heading to maybe the second biggest party town in the country in New Orleans? I'm actually, I'll be honest, I'm surprised that it was New Orleans so quickly. Um, I definitely thought if it's New Orleans, it's going to be a later type of situation. Uh, maybe after the Jets sign somebody and after potentially the, the, I look at the Niners as well, so I, you know, what they're going to do. Um, obviously, we still have the conversation of a few other teams in there, that, that, that Atlanta being one of them. Um, I definitely did not think that it's going to be the Saints immediately. But with that said, it doesn't surprise me that this is where he ends up going. Um, by the way, base salary for this season, only $1.5 million. He did get a signing bonus of $5.7 million, So only hits the cap for $7.2 million this year. That's the only way they got him, and that's the only way they could pull off some magic there. Um, I think with with Jameis, there wasn't a chance to do that because you'd have to. Be, I don't think you can sign Jameis to a four year contract similar to this. Like you, you're signing Jameis to a one or two year contract, and that's a major hit. So I think really this is the only way the Saints could have had a quarterback that could compete um, right now. And and if you're Derek Carr, you're like, oh, I get to go play in the NFC South now. I, I get to go from the hardest quarterbacking division to the easiest quarterbacking division in the, in the league. Okay. I'll do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey. On top of that too. It's funny that you mentioned that he went from arguably the fourth best quarterback in his division to arguably the best fourth quarterback in the conference overnight. How just how crazy that, that worked out for him as well. And I like the fit on the field because too, I think the team they have there will play to his strengths too. He actually has a top five defense for the first time in his career or a top 20 defense for the first time in his career. I don't think it's ever cracked 20. I think the highest it was was 20 or 21. So a top 19 defense, however you want to word it. Point is, it's actually competent. Alvin Kamara, if he plays, that's a big mystery. That will, that'll figure itself out. But if not Alvin Kamara, they have some other running backs there as well too. But if you get AK-41, that's a big bonus. If Michael Thomas plays more than six quarters, you pair him with Chris Olave, you got a really good set of receivers that are both We'll say incredible route runners, even though Michael Thomas runs four routes, but he runs them so damn well that no one can stop him when he was healthy five years ago. And then Chris Olave, we saw arguably rookie of the year last year, had a very strong case for it. So they got some good pieces. You got a good offensive line. I think it's a really, really good fit for him. As you mentioned, too, the level of difficulty is not as strenuous week in and week out as well, too. I mean, you'll be going against whoever the Buccaneers roll out there, whatever Carolina does. Like, there's a little bit of he doesn't have to press quite as much with that, which I think will help him out a lot. So. However, they made it work salary cap wise. However, as quick as it kind of was, as I agree with you, I thought it'd take a little bit longer. It makes sense on the field. I think I think if the Jets wouldn't have basically said, hold on, we're gonna try on Rogers first, and you're our sex second option. I think they might have looked into that more, but he's probably like, No, 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 not dealing with that, and just took the one that worked for him. So, you know, it's a good fit. We'll see how it works. So we'll see what the rest of that division does in the offseason as well. But as of right now, you might be the fourth best quarterback in the conference after having your worst career season and getting benched at one point. So not a bad, not a bad glow up for Carr, especially if he can turn it around next year. Hey, look, we've always thought Carr, Carr's mm-hmm. not a been, he's never been a bad quarterback. Let's be honest, he's not at all. That offensive line was atrocious, and that play calling from Josh McDaniel last year was even worse. So uh, there's a lot, there's there's a lot that could have been done in in, in Las Vegas to help out Carr, and uh, 
it, it's not Devonte, it's not it's not Carr, it's it's definitely that offense and that and, and that play calling because that was just atrocious. Not to mention Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were so badly injured throughout the year. It felt like like they all three of them were never on the field together. Like we expected to see that the show they had and and Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs who had himself one hell of a season because they basically force fed him down the stretch as well too. But he had one hell of a season. So we'll see if he sticks with this franchise tag as well. That's another one that we did mention earlier. But we'll see how that one plays out. There's a lot going on there. Another guy who got a bag very similar to Derek Carr though. Uh, Danny Dimes has been converted to Danny Dollars now, getting four years and 160 millions as well, too. And you know what? As the one as the NFC East fan on the show, I'll let you take this one away first. I will hold my comments until letting you uh, get first crack at it. I, I look. I don't hate this. I think if you're if you're New York, this is the thing you needed to do. I don't think there's a quarterback that New York could comfortably go up and get without losing something important. Um, I think in this situation, you had the choice of paying Saquon or paying Danny this year. Paying Danny now is a smarter idea than trying to franchise tag him and deal with that huge $35 million cap hit that he would have hit. Whereas now with this new new deal, similar to Derek Carr, he has a much less a much much less impactful cap hit when you're trying to get that Saquon contract de- dealt with next year. Um, that's going to be very important for for the for the uh, for the Giants. And again, let's not forget, Danny Dimes wasn't a terrible quarterback last year. He, you know, and he has showed improvement year after year after year, over and over again. His interceptions have dropped, his touchdowns have increased, his QB rating has gone up. His improvement in the fourth quarter is absolutely drastic over the last two, two three seasons. Uh, I mean, what Dabble has been able to do with that team, and I'd even say with with what you know he had kind of the shreds of Danny Dimes' confidence mm-hmm. last year. Now he gets a fully confident Danny Dimes going to the next season. He'll paid fully confident Danny Dimes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do. Obviously, there is always that question of these guys getting paid and then not doing anything, all of Joe Flacco. Hmm. Um, maybe that's a situation you're going to face. But I don't think that's going to be the case with Danny Dimes. I think he, I think I think you're just fine. I think Daniel Jones will be okay. Um, he, he, let's let's not kid ourselves and think that the Giants are going to get anything extraordinarily special from this guy. He is Eli Manning 2.0, which won you two Super Bowls. So don't complain if you're the Giants because at the end of the day, all he needs to do is do enough for your exceptional defense and your exceptional running game to get going. And that's really what they do. And he can win you some games. Get him another receiver out there that can actually consistently catch the ball for first downs and you don't have to throw over the top. I mean, Kenny Galladay was a waste of a contract. So now that that's off the books, like you have a lot of freedom to to do what you want to do. And there's a few receivers in this class that, you know, we'll talk about probably – uh, in, in the main event, but you know, we, you, there, there's some opportunity there for the giants that they can build around that offense. That was already impressive last year. That that shouldn't have been that impressive. So yeah, I like this deal. Um, makes sense for the giants for sure. It's very front loaded too, as well. Like after that first year, it's pretty front loaded. So if he, if Danny starts playing like Dan, Danny pennies, they can find a way to cut bait with him later on as well too. Like they're not stuck with him forever, but they were stuck in no man's land. It felt like, like you couldn't let him walk obviously. Cause you're not re- Chances are you won't find anything better is off the street, but you did too darn well last year. You can't, you're not moving up to get anybody either. So you pretty much, you, it was the Kirk Cousins conundrum that you've seen as well too the last few years that you've seen with the Vikings as well. The last year's like, well, he's too good to let go, but not quite. You, yeah, you, you're kind of stuck there. And I think that the deal makes sense. And he brewed, you can get it done. You maybe trade it and get DeAndre Hopkins, draft a Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison so, to go with Hodgins. And suddenly your receiver core goes from what the heck to, oh, okay then real quickly yeah. as well so there's there's something to work with and you franchise tag saquon which i think was the big deal i think 
you couldn't sign him and get rid of Saquon. You had to find a way to keep both of them, I think. I think they almost had to be a package deal. So I'll also say vote of confidence. They resigned him. So Brian Dabble obviously said something like something along the lines of, hey, it's not just me coaching magic around him. There's something here. Like, so that's definitely yeah. a vote of confidence to match up what he said, not just like, oh, well, Dabble could do this to anybody. Bye. Like it showed yeah. like there's something that works there. Dabble just happened to bring it out. And maybe they have a resurgence next year, or maybe they come back down to earth. We'll see. But Speaking of getting the bag, uh, Geno Smith also getting a bag, a well-deserved one as well, too. And in a similar manner, three-year deal, a lot of money up front. So if Seattle wants to utilize their picks and grab a guy, develop him for a year or two, or they find somebody else they like, they have the option there, too. So good to see a former Giant in Geno Smith and former Jet getting himself paid in Seattle as well, too. Nice little resurgence. And he looks like he ain't writing back anytime soon. He's got at least three more years of not having to write back. Yeah, no, he feels pretty good about his contract. Uh, I look at I, I feel pretty good about his contract. Mm-hmm. You, if you're Seattle, you, you did a good job getting him in here. Um, what is it? The three-year, $75 million average salary, 25 a year. Um, you, you know, it's actually funny. They, Sport Track doesn't even have his contract details yet. They haven't mm-hmm. released the, the the way it's loaded yet. So it's actually could be, it could be very beneficial for the Seahawks, especially when you consider the young players that they have that'll be coming up in the next three to five, three to four years. Um, so hopefully it's front end contract and then a back end pretty light, um, similar to what they did with Daniel Jones, whose final contracts, like final year of his contracts, like $9 million or something, something like that. So like, that could be a potential there. Um, but yeah, no, Gino's, if you, you feel pretty comfortable with Gino getting this, this deal. And yeah, if you, like you said, if you, if, if they have the chance to get a quarterback in this draft, go ahead. Maybe next year's draft is, is something you're looking for. Maybe a little bit more, um, maybe two years down the road. Uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few quarterbacks in the next, two to three years that, that you have an opportunity for that maybe he's not a first round guy, maybe a second round guy, but you've just proven that you can win with a Russell Wilson in long time for a long time. And now you have Geno Smith who was written off from all, for all purposes, even though he was a first round guy. And you know, now you can, re- or sorry. Yeah. And, yeah, and please. now you're, you're research- Now you have a resurgence with him. So, uh, you know, you'll take what you can get there. So if you, if you're Seattle, do what you do well, which is play play defense, and then your offense will get get to work if you can if it can. Don't matter who Selena DK is out there somewhere defying all laws of physics and thermodynamics, still making plays as well yeah. too. And Tyler Lockett's still somehow open. No matter what you do, he is still wide open. So yeah, uh, yeah, and, and you have Kenneth Murray back there. So like, I mean, really at this point in time, and your offensive line is young and getting better. So you two fine. rookie tackles who overperformed Kenneth Walker, who is arguably rookie of the year. You got multiple tight ends that you that you use a little bit more than you have the last ten years. So. Things are looking pretty good after their their wild trade situation last year where a lot of people thought they'd be seller dwellers. And just like that, a playoff team on the rise with two first-round picks too. So we've put it off long enough. It's probably time to talk about the big elephant in the room as well too. We talked about franchise tags. We talked about quarterbacks getting paid. Now it's time to talk about the quarterback who's getting a franchise tag, a non-exclusive one, and isn't unfortunately getting paid. And that's what's going on in Baltimore right now. Your boy Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag left hanging. So... The bright side is he can go and kind of negotiate with other teams right now, in theory. He can go figure yeah. out the worth, and then the Ravens will be forced to match it or let him go for a couple of picks. The bad news is, for some reason, like five teams immediately wasted no time to say, nah, we're good, which we'll, we'll start there. I'll, I'll go and go go to you first. What, what do we make of this part so far? The people saying no? We'll start with him getting left hanging by the Ravens as well. Oh, so okay, like, yeah, we'll start with people. Okay, with him getting left, left hanging by the Ravens. We'll start with that. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's dumb. Um, first of all, you've built this team, especially this offense, 
around Lamar's, Lamar's ability. You maybe your play calling won't go won't play make the calls for Lamar's ability, but your team is built for Lamar's abilities. It's not built for Tyler Huntley. It's not built for insert quarterback here. That's I'm sorry, Tyler Huntley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Pro Bowler <laughs> Tyler Huntley. My apologies, to Tyler. Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so look, Lamar is Lamar is what he is. Uh, quarterback. You you know that he's gotten better. It's not like he can't throw the ball. I'm gonna keep harping on this same conversation because everybody thinks he's a terrible thrower of the ball. He's not. He's a good thrower of the ball when he wants to be. The problem is that honestly, this offense doesn't dictate that he throws the ball at all. This offense is I'm gonna run the ball 45, 55 times, maybe even 65 times, and I'm gonna throw the ball 15 to Mark Andrews every single time. By the way. A team that was just in the Super Bowl had the same percentage of run to pass that the that the prime Baltimore Ravens have. So if you want to tell me it doesn't work, I'm going to show you the Philadelphia Eagles from last year. It works when you play when you make the right play calls at the right time. When and you actually build, when you actually use the players to their proper abilities, and your defense isn't fully injured all the time. Um, yeah. Look, I, I, this is one <laughs> of those things like on the injury report every year by the end of yeah, it. exactly, yeah, like I mean. And even when you have players offensively performing, you they somehow get injured. So, like Baltimore, fix your training staff first. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think Lamar needed to be paid, and and anybody who doesn't want to pay him, uh, idiot. So we're just talking about a former MVP. What less than two two seasons ago, MVP? Three seasons ago, MVP? Twenty nineteen. So yeah, about three seasons now. Uh, I'm sorry, and he's still under the age of twenty eight. Pay the man. Pay the man. And get him on your team. We're not talking John Morant here. We're talking Lamar Jackson. Like, pay this man, get him going, get him healthy again. I I don't know what the problem is. If I'm the Ravens, I'm just idiots. Front office are idiots. And that's just as nice as I can make that. They're idiots for waiting this long, especially too. You could have tried signing him two years ago. You could have like that. You could have waited. And now we're into the price tag. Yesterday's price is not today's price. And now that price tag is really, really thick. So this is on them for getting this this high. I understand the non-exclusive tags. It's like, all right, someone's willing to pay you the $200 million. Well, we're going to have to suck it then, and we're going to have to eat it. You win. $200 million guaranteed, I should say. But at the same time, you're playing with fire. There, Someone might just offer just to call your bluff at that point. And if you if they do call your bluff or if you don't call their bluff, they get Lamar Jackson. So it's like it's a win-win either way. Either you screw the Ravens or you get Lamar Jackson. Either like there's It's a win-win either way. So I agree with you on that one. Like It seems you could have avoided this. You'd, how many quarterbacks are there that you take over Lamar in the NFL? Maybe five, maybe if three, that. Four. Three to five, like not not a very long list. It's a very very short list. Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That's then, it. That I comfortably take over over Lamar, and then you have Justin Herbert sitting there in that. Trevor Lawrence, like those guys. Yeah, in that like those guys are in that and that floating. I need to see consistency, but like. I mean, Lamar, I just need to see him healthy. <laughs> That's the only difference. Like, if Lamar healthy, I'm going to take him. I mean, like we've talked about this before. If I'm building a franchise, we had the Josh Allen-Lamar conversation. If you're building a franchise around one of them, who do you pick? I would take Lamar personally because he's just so dynamic. And then as long as he's healthy, um, nothing against Josh Allen. But, uh, you know, it's it's just like Lamar is just a freakish, freakish athlete. So, yeah, very few, very, very few guys I take over, period. Uh, and I will say, too, to go on for your Eagles comment earlier, the Eagles also were able to do all that safe stuff with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside, as opposed to Rashad Bateman, who's a really good player for a handful of games, and Devin Duvernay, who's a good player. But, like, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the Ravens receivers. Like, it's 
there's a big drop off there for you to expect him to throw the ball over the yard. No one's going to say that Lamar is the best passer in the NFL, but he led the NFL in touchdown passes at one point in his career. It's not like he's completely incompetent, but I decided because this is such a complex uh, situation here, I've put together what I call a little bit of a chart here that I'm going to break out for us. So we're going to start with this little Venn diagram for people who are visual learners right now. So we're going to start reasons to not sign Lamar for all the owners out there that are already saying no and tweaking out. So if you're watching on the stream, be prepared for the whiteboard. Your class is back in session. Rule number one, he is expensive, as we mentioned. That is a very, very expensive deal. They were looking at more than 200 plus million guaranteed. So obviously not every owner can afford that as far as escrow goes and just cash liquidation. I'm not a financial expert. I just know that that is hard to come up with. So that part makes sense. Part two, he has not finished the last two seasons with injuries. So I get I get that. That's a little reluctance. It's only been like four games, but he still has a little bit nervous there. Rule Number three, draft picks. You're going to have to give up two first round picks. But if you want to go get a rookie quarterback, you're going to have to give up at least two first-round picks anyway. So that one's kind of null and void. Now we're going to get to the reasons to sign Lamar. Notice the exemplary difference. You know what? Let me get out of the way. Let me give give you this fully this year. Rule number one, he is a top-10 quarterback. Number two, a former MVP of the National Football League. Number three, he is only 26 years old. He has done all this at the young prime age of 26 years old. He is winning the MVP in 2019 when I think he was, what, 23? You know what Joe Burrow was doing at 23? Winning the Heisman Trophy. So it, literally in the same year, they were the same age and winning two of the two most prestigious awards at different in different levels. So 26 years old. So even if you think he's going to wear down quickly, you got five years before that happens. Look at Cam Newton. When did he start to wear down? Would you say 32, 33? Somewhere in that range? Yeah, so, yeah he hit 31, 32. Yeah, you, you got plenty of time. I'm pretty sure he was winning the MVP at about 28, if my math is correct. So yep. 45 and 16 record. Top 45 and 16, as good as anybody in NFL history, minus the he's in the conversation with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady for winning percentage. Other smaller factors, he is an elite runner, not just a pretty good mobile quarterback, but elite. A top, what would you say, five guy with the ball in his hands in the game? He'd be the best. He's arguably the best ball carrier in the NFL. Just get him in open space. And then the last one, he is a major fan favorite. Have you ever noticed anytime we talk, they talk about him in public, there's always people kind of flocking to him? He's, he is one of the faces of the NFL. Kids adore him. The, John Harbaugh even said there are hundreds of kids, thousands of kids who look up to him and are now going to be wearing that number eight because of Lamar Jackson. You bring him into your team, you're, the gross, uh, what the, the value of your team, the net worth of your team is going to go up. So obviously it, it's going to hurt to give him that kind of money. Not everyone can do it, but the fact that six teams already said, no, no, we don't want any part of that. No, it's all of them quarterback needy teams. I'm not going to say it's collusion because I'm not that guy and I don't have a tinfoil hat, but it looks like a duck. It smells like a duck. It quacks like a duck. Don't tell me it's a mongoose. That's where, that's where I'm going to go with that one. So if you're one of these teams, somebody's got to at least go talk to Lamar. I'm not saying you have to sign him. I'm not saying you have to offer him the bag, but go say hi. Go say what's up. What, what are we looking for? What can we do here? Oh, let's see if you can see this. There you go. Reasons not to sign Lamar. You're dumb. That's fair. That is another way to put it as well, too. That's, that's, that's how that needs to be answered. <laughs> I mean, I don't get, don't get me wrong. I love your points. I, I love all of your points. But we're talking Lamar freaking Jackson here, who is 26 years old and should be fully healthy. Like, notice, how, notice the reasons to sign is literally double the short list here. And, and here's reason. the thing. So, so, you, so your list of expensive draft picks and uh, whatever the other one was. Recent injuries. It's a very stark contrast. You see why one side's heavier than the other. 
let's talk about these. Okay, I have to talk about these teams that that now are, are out of the out of the conversation because you brought it up, and so now we're we're going here. here we the go. Commanders. Okay, number one, Commanders. Number two, the Dolphins. Okay, Dolphins make sense. I don't they, get they can't why even the do Dolphins would be in picks anyway, so they can't even talk till after the draft anyway because of the picks. Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> then you have the Panthers that came out and said no. Also, you have the Raiders who said no, and you also have the Falcons that said no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Time out. You're going to tell me all those picks you guys have sitting there, if you're the Commanders, if you're the Falcons, if you're the Panthers, if you're the Raiders, all those dudes just sitting there that you can't turn into anything in your first-round pick anyways, and I'm looking at you, Raiders, because you've had your last, what, four first-rounders? Wait, how many years is there? Six, six straight first rounders that they are no longer on the team now? It was something like that. It was basically the entire John Gruden era. All those first round picks, not, besides Josh Jacobs, didn't work out too well. So, all those first round picks, and you're you're going to hold on to them for some miracle reason that you can actually draft somebody in the first round. I can go back to you all the way to the Darius Hayward Bay of bad picks for the Raiders in the first round. And you're gonna, you, you know what you could do? You could turn it into something useful that you know is good, which is Lamar. If you're Atlanta, why would you not want Lamar in seats? You may have a bad team, but as you mentioned, he is a fan favorite. You bring in a lot of money in that brand new facility, and you get to sell a whole lot of $2 hot dogs and $1 sodas while you're there. Which, by the way, yes, those are the pricings for the actual mm-hmm. concessions because Art Blank is a savior of my, my wallet. Um, but I mean, look, you got to pay for that stadium somehow. Lamar Jackson would literally pay for it. Oh, by the way, he has Kyle Pitts to throw the ball to. It wouldn't be that bad. And you could not worry about having Cordell Patterson run the ball 40 times. You'd be okay. And Drake London's as good as any receiver he's had in Baltimore as well, too. And Kyle Pitts is at least 85% as good as Mark Andrews. So you already know he can use what you have. And, you know, Arthur Smith does like himself a lot of running games. So you can at least build a similar offense out of that. And then... I'm not even going to talk about the Panthers because, okay, I kind of get that. Like, Frank Reich, I don't think Frank Reich knows how to coach a Lamar Jackson-style quarterback, if I'm going to be fair. I, I I think he could. I don't think he would be the best at it, though. Um, and so yeah, I get Carson him Wentz not one twice over. Like, he willingly dealt with Carson Wentz twice over. I think he'll be willing to deal with whatever Lamar brings for sure. But I, I, know yeah, no, I, I, think, I, think, I think Lamar would be a, a welcome sight instead of Carson. But I do understand, like, he has a certain play style in mind for a quarterback desire. And Lamar doesn't fit that. And I get that. And I, I'm not going to fault him for that. And it's um, a newer owner, too. So we don't know how deep those pockets are to be able to muster up for the guarantee, the fully guaranteed part of it, too. Which, like, because that's not just cash you pull out from underneath your couch. Like, that's some of their values and like liquidation assets, things like that. A bunch of weird financial stuff that's a lot deeper than I'd ever think, which is why I, I kind of understand with the Raiders, because they're kind of in a, well, the Raiders, we, we've heard about their financial things. Those rumors have already come out. But, the Falcons is the one I want to focus it on because we started on. Oh, no, 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 I'm not done yet. I'm not done you yet. Still got, okay, well, come, we keep I got going. one more team to talk I gotta about. I got to yell at the Falcons, so you you keep going. We'll, we'll get to the Falcons in a minute, but, but we have to talk about the Commanders. <laughs> That's a mess. We have to talk about the Commanders because you're Dan Snyder. You're on your way out. You've already said you're selling the team. You just got Eric Bieniemy to your team on your way out. How did you get Eric Bieniemy away from Patrick Mahomes? Did you sell him on something potentially? Maybe a Lamar Jackson potentially? potentially uh riverboat ron how'd you get eric Bieniemy to come and make a lateral move to a terrible team sam Howell. i i think maybe coaching a world-class quarterback might might do the trick oh who's that world-class quarterback it's not sam Howell, but lamar 
he looked good in commander's uniform, especially those black alternate uniforms. Uh, and if you're, if here's the thing, if you're Dan Snyder, I'm, I'm not a big like tin, tin foil cap guy, but like, let's just think about this for a second. If you're Dan Snyder, you've had all this bad plus press on your way out. You sign the mark, you sell all these assets to sign the mark. Let's say it doesn't work out. Ah, I got you guys. Revenge. Ha ha ha. But let's say it does, which is the more likely case. Man, Dan Snyder was a god. He saved our team on his way out. What a great human being he is. Quote, unquote, would be all those Commander fans. I'm, I'm very, okay, let me be very clear and say I don't believe those things. I'm sitting in a Commander's seat right now, and this is what a Commander's fan would tell you because they're crazy. But look, what do you have to lose if you're Dan Snyder by going and getting Lamar? Because the answer is not your team because you're going to lose that anyways. So you literally have nothing to lose. You only have all to gain. Just do it. Just why would you come out and say, nah, I don't want him? Like, and you, if you're going to sell, what better way to jack up the price than having one of the top five most marketable players in the league, arguably under there? It's like, oh, you're always going to sell for $400 million? Well, you know what? Add Lamar Jackson, that's $800 billion, whatever the number is. On the flip side, you have one of the most marketable defenses out there in Chase, with Chase Young and Deron Payne and everybody else on that team. And it, when it, when you look outside for the weapons Lamar have, it's scary out there as well, too. It's a scary out there for DBs. And that's Terry. That's Jahan Dotson. Like, Commanders, That's it makes a whole lot of sense, that, the fact that they're out on this. I'm looking at the Falcons specifically. I want to yell at the Falcons because – not only did you say no when you uh, – is Desmond Ritter your guy? Maybe he is, but Lamar Jackson, Desmond Ritter, I we'll see. Last year you tried to move that. heaven, earth, the stars, and Narnia, and a galaxy far, far away with Dagobah and the Ewoks, Ewoks on Endor, to try and get Deshaun Watson when there was a suspension looming. You were willing to give up everything to get him. And now you have Lamar So much Jackson. so they sent him a jersey, by the way, for a signing photo that never happened. And then the next year you like, and the next year you are out before it even starts. Like you were the first ones to say to you made sure it was known to everybody. Nah, I'm good. You sent it to several NFL reporters and different media outlets. You didn't just, you posted your own press release saying we are not in, we are not interested. That's just, it doesn't make any sense when you were trying to move heaven and earth a year, a year ago for someone who was facing a suspension and several other in, in instances as well too, who doesn't quite have the resume of Lamar either as well. Well, last time we saw him, he was a very good quarterback. We hadn't seen him in two years, and you're still willing to move everything from here to Hoth to get him. And yet, yep. here, here we are a year later. The one way that I could say that makes football sense to not go after Lamar is because teams might be a little reluctant to go after the veteran quarterback as well because we saw last year, every it was the hot fad for the last couple of years thanks to Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford winning the Super Bowl, Philip Rivers going to the Colts and then being viable. Like It kind of turned into the hot commodity. Last year, Russell Wilson, Deshaun kind of looked a little shitty, so I kind of ruined it for everybody. They could be like, well, I don't know about that. That's a very, very small reason, though, when you think about it, especially looking at you, Atlanta, considering you still need it. Like you and Matt Ryan moving to and not looking great. So last year did not look great for the mobile, the older quarterbacks moving to new teams and then getting paid a lot, and then, well, we saw what happened in those situations. So I could see the reluctance in that regard, but Lamar's 26 years old compared to those guys as well, too. Those guys are all in their 30s that we just talked about. Well, Deshaun's not, but he also hasn't played in he hadn't played in 30 months or whatever it was. So someone someone's got to at least talk to him. That's the only thing that confuses me. If you talk to him and the price is too high, 
I don't, I don't know the logistics. I'm not the financial expert. Okay. But the fact that the teams refuse to chat with him right away, it's, it's very awkward. It's very weird. It doesn't make sense. You have, I mean, the Colts haven't said anything. Maybe they want to go talk to him. I don't think they have anywhere near the cap space for it. They're going to have to do some real finagling. It's, but you know what, Jim Mercer, go, go say, what's up. What's the worst that could happen? He asked for two thirty million guaranteed. And you're like, sorry, sorry, fam. Can't do that. You could. I mean, hey, I've watched. I watched Taysom Hill sign a zero dollar guaranteed contract and zero dollar current salary contract. At this point, anything is possible if you try really, really, really hard and you're willing to trade a few players. That's what I'm saying. Everyone, at least go say, at least go chat with them. I know it's. I don't know what the negotiations have been like. I haven't been behind the table. I know he doesn't have the agent, so that that's there's been talk, so that's made things awkward. I don't know. I'm not into it, but. It's still just find it really weird that nobody's been willing to at least say hi. Like I'm at least sorry, say if he does the fact he doesn't have an agent, I I love that if I'm an NFL owner. I'm sorry. I, I really do. And like I we've talked often about player like supporting players and, and their endeavors and, and, and I, I do a lot. But at the same time, I in the back of my head have this business brain that says, You're telling me he doesn't have somebody trained in the art of negotiations handling his business affairs boy howdy am i about to give him a great contract for me like this if i'm an owner i'm salivating yeah there should be 32 31 owners on the phone with lamar and whoever is represented i think it's his brother or cousin dad something along those lines was actually representing him because i think his mom oh yeah his mom because because baker made the joke about his mom so Mm -hmm. i'm getting his mom on the phone i'm being like miss jackson I'm sorry, but what would you like to be paid in your first three years? Okay, here you go. The rest is up to me. Thank you. Done. Guarantee. How much money you want guaranteed in three years? After that, I don't care because I'm going to make the contract whatever I want. And now guess what? I have a number eight in my quarterback position, and nobody else does. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Ha, sucks to be you. Like, this isn't that hard, people. Like, I – Jerry Jones could figure this one out. And Jerry, Jerry, Jones, Jones, Jerry Jones can afford that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's true. Like he, he, no. if you know, go reach out as well too. And then maybe restructure Zeke's contract and everybody else and go, go say hi. How do you do on that one? Go ahead and check in on that one. If Jerry uh, Jones did that, I, I might actually make a compliment about Jerry Jones for once. Let's not get hasty. Now let's real let's reel it in a little bit. We don't know. We don't, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We got a long ways to go, go, go for that part. But that's uh, and honestly, you can also try and make, instead of a four or five year deal that he was looking for, offer him an eight year deal so you can spread the guarantee money out so he gets the number he wants and it's spread out, maybe even middle loaded a little bit, something like that, or front loaded. So that way, if you front get nervous, about him, I he's mean, 33 or 34, you, I'm thinking because people are nervous when he gets 33, 34 because the, the injury total, make it so you don't owe him as much of the back end, give him more at the front end, something like that, too. Like, yeah. Or, I, like I mean, look, if you can front end and back end it, and then add a player option and a team option like they do in basketball. Do that. I mean, take take that opportunity. Six-year player option, seventh-year team option. I mean, that way you don't have to – you can cut them off two years early and it, and you maybe save 40% of that contract. Yeah, but I feel like there's ways around. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, has a half a billion dollar contract, but it's spread out over 10 years. So it's friendly to the Chiefs cap and most of it's like weird signing bonuses and stuff like the way it's in, instituted. Yep. I feel like there's ways – there's there's ways to do it. It's just it makes me it feels really weird that five quarterback needy teams said nah fam immediately without even saying Lamar what are you looking for because none of us it know is. exactly what he's asking for. We have the rumors, 
but we don't none of us are in the room like the only people that's that know the, he's he's maybe one of the best kept secret like as far as what does he actually want like that is what is the most amazing thing about this we've heard we, every other quarterback negotiation we've always heard rumors lamar's team is like nah we ain't giving you nothing the rumors so. we've heard is he wants Deshaun's contract to 30 million guaranteed and that the Ravens offered him 250 million, but only 130 guaranteed. Those are the rumors we've heard. I haven't obviously not substantiated. I don't know that for a fact, which I see the gap there. There's a, there's about a hundred million dollars in guarantee gap right there. So guaranteed, maybe offer him 190 then. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a way to meet in the middle. I mean, yeah. Like I think if you hit the 200 mark for guaranteed, he'd be fine. Especially or like 190 out. and like, and you know, bonuses that are super easy, just being roster bonuses for just being on the team, like getting him up above that 200 million. Like that's what they did with what Peyton a few, a few times. Like he maybe wasn't the highest paid player on his team, but he had those roster bonuses that paid him like $15 million. So it was like, oh, here you go. You're on the team on, on, on the turn of the season. So here's your $15 million paycheck. Like, like it's, especially if they're front loaded too. When there's no chance you're gonna get rid of 29 year old Lamar's, like, like you know he's gonna be on the team. Like there, there's ways around it. I feel like I, I'm not the financial expert, but it's still there's a lot to be desired. And I'm, I'm really curious if anyone's gonna bite and just say like, if they, let's say hypothetically it is collusion, that that the owners are trying to stop. All it takes is one owner to be kind of wacky. Like let's picture Jim Irsay is hanging out with his guitars and he's like, you know what, I want to win again, brother. Then throws everything out at him as well. All it takes is one to get a little goofy and. Suddenly, either the Ravens are paying out the butt, or Lamar's on the move and he's getting a bag. And team, their and team's gonna good. look good in Indy. Like, look at look good on that track in Lucas Oil. You you put him and Jonathan Taylor on the field together. I mean, you, we still court. don't know how fast Lamar actually runs, so that could literally be two guys that run a four-two. <laughs> and then you got hopefully maybe a healthy Quentin Nelson leading the way. Like, I don't care about the rest of the team at that point. Like. Sorry to force Buckner and everybody else. You guys probably have to go to make room for, but we're scoring 40 on the ground. And if we get a lead, we're going to kill the heck out of that clock with this run game. So we're good. Yeah. And you mentioned so. Jalen Hurts and all them as well, too. Well, offense coordinator, you know what? Maybe Indy, go, go say hi. Go say, Lamar, what do you want? Let, let's let's at least chat. If it's outside of our realm, we tried. Hey. If we can't make it work, we can't Saying make it. hi never hurt anybody. That's all that's, I got to say for all you owners out there. And that's my big premise here is the fact that nobody has said hi is what's really concerning. If everyone talked to him and they said like, we can't make that price tag work or we're not willing to do that or that's one thing, but this is weird, especially considering how many teams were trying, were lined up out the, you know what to go chat with Deshaun with a suspension looming a little bit wacky as well too, especially considering then again, that was the, I don't know. I digress. Maybe Deshaun and like Russell Lamar's would, been, would ruin it for Lamar, Lamar, since the draft, I feel like has been caught the short end of the stick on a lot of these conversations, mm-hmm. and it's it's uncalled for. It's it's because he's a fast quarterback, and they all look at him as a oh no, he's a running only man. If you guys have watched the game in the last four years, you know this man is an actual quarterback. Like, like just watch the game. He also doesn't get. It's not like he gets hit that hard either, as well, too, because he's so elusive and so dynamic. He never really gets crushed. Like Josh Allen takes way harder hits. Granted, he's the size of a redwood tree, so it probably hurts the people tackling him more. But at the same time, if you're worried about wear and tear, that's another one. That there's no issues there. So, some someone's got to make. Someone should make a move at least. Chat with them and see what's going on. Because maybe he's asking for 195 million guarantees. Like like Kyler Murray got 180. Maybe he just wants to be more than that. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know the details, but everybody go say hi the draft is still 50 days away free agency is a few uh, like a, a fortnight away like just go say hi go see what he's looking for because say hey lamar what, what's going on 
if anything else, Lamar, you are always welcome on the podcast to be our third host. Or you know what? You could have my job. I don't even care. I'll give you my job. I, I, we don't pay anything. But you know what? It's an offer. At least I'd say hi to you. I'd say and hi. your mom's more than welcome to come on the show and make fun of Baker Mayfield at any point in time. Yeah, that is actually encouraged, not just not just offered. That is highly encouraged. But that's look, like I want that to happen. Absolutely. Like so, there's basically we're both in agreement. Hopefully, this gets worked out one way or the other. Whether someone makes an offer, or him and the Ravens come to an agreement. However, it happens. I just hopefully it gets worked out because you hate to see Lamar kind of left out in no man's land with everything he's been able to do so far as well. And I wouldn't mind seeing him on their team as comments who he does with a different cast of characters too. Like we mentioned, yeah. Indy obviously they'd have the run game, but you'd have big one-on-one receivers on the outside as well too. That would be fun. Atlanta would probably be kind of a lateral move, but you got a Drake London, a big receiver on the outside. And Carolina, a Kyle Pitts. And a Kyle Pitts, which could play the Mark Andrews role as well. But Carolina, which we know is not really into, but you have an incredible coaching staff, an offensive-minded one, plus DJ Moore and some squad there too. The Raiders, well, we know what the Raiders have, if that somehow worked out. So there's if you if he is on the move, I'm really if he does end up on the move, I'm curious to see how he does in these other spots as well. Unless there's a secret secret sauce that he they say he can't play outside of that realm, but my eyes tell me otherwise. So definitely a saga we will be keeping on in this off, keeping an eye out for in this offseason as well. But that's gonna do it for our longest tip-off of all time, guys. I don't know if you know, but we've been at it for a while. So Lamar, we're here to defend you at all costs right now. We even gave up the entire most of the first segment for you, but that's gonna wrap up our tip-off segment. That's gonna take us now into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That'll be the main event, of course, brought to you by Manscaped as well, too. And Kelsey, for the main event, we're going to jump right into this. We're going to waste no time. NFL Combine just wrapped up the biggest job interview in sports, arguably, as well, too. There was some good, there was some bad, and there was some meh. I wanna, so we're going to go ahead and just we're gonna talk about some of the biggest movers, some risers, some followers, some guys that we think might have made themselves a little bit of money. So, Kelsey, I'll let you go first. What are some of the good that you've noticed from the Combine? Some of the guys that made uh, some I, I want to specifically talk about the tight end class, uh, sp- specifically Zach Coons. If you guys don't know, Old Dominion, six foot seven, first that now holds the record for highest vertical for any player over the over six foot six. Um, absolutely insane vertical. Uh, perfect 10.0 on the relative athletic scale. By the way, if you don't know, last year we talked about this. Guess who had a 10.0 on the relative athletic scale last year? Just a big, fat defensive tackle that is a monster of a man in Jordan Davis. Uh, Nicobe Dean also. 10.0. Quinn Miners, 10.0 when he had his relative athletic score as well. So, relative athletic score maybe doesn't mean a lot to some people. To me, I think it does tell a lot for what they can do. Also, Troy Anderson, 10.0 on his relative athletic scale. All guys that in the NFL have performed to the level of an NFL player, except for N'Kobe Dean. He just didn't really get the opportunity. Uh, That's it. I mean, but you look at that and he absolutely just showed out during the, the, the drills. And honestly, this entire tight end class, uh, Dalton Kincaid, the number one tight end, did not uh, participate because of a fractured back. Um, absolutely terrible injury to see. However, you look at some of the guys coming back from an injury, Luke Musgrave, o- Oregon State, he had a 9.8 relative athletic score. Absolutely insane for a guy coming off of knees, knee, a major knee injury. Um, really, the only tight end that I'd say was bad was tight end number two in Michael Mayer. Uh, from Notre Dame, and he just didn't look great. And then you have Darnell Washington, who maybe made himself the number one overall tight end. Zach Koontz maybe made himself number two because they their performances. But really, that tight end, that, the entire tight end class really showed up and showed out in, the, in my eyes, except for Michael Mayer, and that's the only one I can say really kind of was just a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely as well too. He's a little. I know we 
I know we didn't expect him to run fast, but I was hoping he moved just a little bit quicker than that as well. To just just showed a little bit like that downhill back of the back of the forty speed. He looked really. Yeah. I didn't looked, expect Algie Crumpler out there. That's, I'll be honest. I I expected maybe. I didn't expect Jason Witten two point. I didn't expect late Jason Witten. Maybe young Jason Witten is what I was hoping. For, yeah. But yeah, that was that was definitely the overall tight end class. Zach Kuntz, who arguably ran even faster too, but the clocks in Indy seemed a little bit goofy this week this year as well too. So that's one to keep an eye. Yeah, on. his official forty by the way four five five. Yeah, and it looked like a four 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 five at one point. So he could, and he then could... that that ten yard that we always talk about a one point five seven, which is a nine point eight on the relative athletic score for for a ten for a ten yard split for a tight end. Which that's so, yeah, absolutely incredible. incredible. I'm gonna go and take a look at arguably one of the deepest part uh, deepest position groups in this draft. I'm gonna go to the corners for this one. And I'm looking at Oregon's corner Christian Gonzalez, who I think really solidified himself as an early for early first round guy. Overall prospect grade pretty good as well too. Next gen stats overall combine score was a 92, which was the first among all the corners as well too. I know that's not relative athletic score. This is just a it's a weird advanced stat one, so take it with a pound of salt, obviously. But overall, the highest graded corner at the combine, fourth in overall athleticism, second in production, four three eight forty though at six one two hundred pounds. 1.5 10-yard split, vertical jump of 41.5, 11-foot-1 broad jump. Very, very outstanding athleticism. We saw from 32-inch arms to go with it as well to a long, lengthy corner, showing the ability you could put him out on the boundary and he's not immediately toast. He has the ability to catch up and to keep up with some of these freakish receivers we're going to see. So Christian Gonzalez, RDA first-round kind of kind of guy, was just questioned how high up on there. He, might have, he could be from 2 to 6, just depending on how deep the corners are. I think he basically locked in first round pick, possibly even a top 15 type, type of player as well. So Christian Gonzalez really standing out for me in this one. So next up, who else? I, I will. I will. Well, you, you mentioned it in there. You mentioned his relative. It wasn't as relative athletic score. Uh, if you do want his relative athletic score, it was a 9.95, which if you need a who this applies to in the NFL, um, Jalen Ramsey and Akilah Willispoon both had a 9.9. Deontay Banks from Maryland at a 9.99 this year. So he's the highest rated corner. Uh, but give me a Jalen Ramsey comparison any day of the week. And I'm going to tell you, that's a pretty, pretty darn good corner. That's some pretty good company to be a part of right there as well, too, especially when there were questions about how well he would run but, and how explosive he was. Was he just big or was he actually able to move? Well, he can scoot a little bit. So that's a definitely, that's a good sign as well. It's kind of the same thing they were talking about with sauce last year. You knew how good he was, but could he move? He showed he can move and, well, we saw what the sauce did. So I'm not putting him in the same category as sauce, but a similar similar kind of questions and answers coming out of the combine and stuff like that as well, too. So we've gone over a couple of good. What's another good that maybe you're th- – we'll go and go ahead to the bads if we want as well, too. Who is somebody that when you look to the combine, you're like, nah, this ain't going to work? Yeah, so for the bad, I got to go Jordan Addison. Um, I haven't really liked him as a number one receiver that everybody keeps trying to make him. Uh, and really his performance wasn't great. Uh, four four nine forty, not fantastic. Short arms, really small hands. Weight under one hundred seventy five pounds. Only jumped thirty four inches. Tweaking uh, revert. the injured too. Well, did not help as well. So he didn't do it. We didn't even see him do the position drills. Yeah, I mean, really, no agility testing at all for him. Um, his RAS for the for the for the event five point eight two. Um, and in comparison, that's god awful. Uh, <laughs> that is, it's listed as good or okay is is what the relative athletic score right there is listed at um it's a scale from zero to ten so i mean you're right there in the middle not a great look for a quote-unquote number one uh receiver and yeah jordan hasn't just 
did not look good. And as you mentioned, the injury does play a part in there, but it was not pretty. I mean, even taking the injury into account. Yeah, absolutely as well. I will say overall, I thought a lot of guys had a pretty good combine. There weren't too many that were bad. But the one that I really didn't like too much, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to go with Michael Mayer again as well, too. That's kind of the one that stuck out to me because it was him or Dalton Kincaid felt like they were consensus one or two tight ends as well, too, at least going into the combine. Dalton Kincaid obviously couldn't perform because of the injury, which is kind of terrifying, which might actually drop him a little bit. But Michael Mayer, I didn't need to, I don't look at him as like athlete necessarily, but I just expected a little, I was hoping for a little bit more explosion, just like a little bit more explosion, a little bit. He was fine in like the on field drills, the blocking. Okay, some work to do there. It wasn't Darnell was weak. <laughs> what I, I compared to Darnell Washington, what he was doing, everybody looked fair. But there's, I just was hoping to see a little bit more, considering how much, how good he is on the field. I was hoping someone would translate to athletic testing. I guess he might be one of those guys that just can't do the testing and is a good football player. It's very likely. I was just, I was hoping to see a little bit more, since I think if he did, if he was just a little bit better in the athletics, I think that'd make him tight end one with Dalton Kincaid's injury, because that. That back injury is a little concerning. That, at least as far as a first round pick, second round pick, he turns into Rob Gronkowski with a back injury. You never know. But for a first round pick, I'm reluctant on the back injury. And I don't think Michael Mayer quite did enough to s- separate himself. Still might be a first round pick, but not top 15, I don't think, right now. No, he definitely dropped. I'll be honest, he dropped on my list a bit. But yeah, I think, I think he's one of those guys. He's, I mean, he set records for pass catching and touchdowns at Notre Dame. I mean, we all know about the history of them turning out tight ends. So. There's something to be said about maybe he's just a ball player and not a tester. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, it's, plus, it's pro day. I mean, his, pro days can kind of make up for a lot of combine woes. Maybe he wasn't feeling good. Maybe he just felt you know, a little sick. Maybe he just didn't. His, who knows? Something, anything as small to turn your routine off uh, off its game is is enough to, to really make you have a bad performance. So we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely. And honestly, I've never really seen a first round pick caliber guy have a bad pro day as well, too. So I feel I like I was joking about this earlier today when we were talking when I was talking about the quarterbacks as well, too. If I'm the Bears, I'm not trading that number one pick till after pro days because, well, name one guy who's supposed to be a first round quarterback that's had a bad pro day. Like I can't even really think of one that was a projected first rounder going into the pro day, then was not a first round afterwards. I look at Zach Wilson, who climbed up from a potential for to a mid-first-round pick to number two real quick. I looked at Jamarcus Russell, who secured $70 million from his pro day. Throwing from his knees, yeah. Exactly. Like I, there, I feel like no one's – so I think his pro day will help too. One I'll just pile on to in the same vein as Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, who wasn't a bad pro day. The expectations were probably just set too high. Everyone was talking about 4-2-5 with him. So a 4-4 is flying. It's just a little bit lower than we hoped in him getting tweaked, not getting to see. And it, some of the on-field drills were – they were fine. I, I think it was one deep ball that he dropped. It was either from Stroud or Richardson. I can't remember. Like it was fine. It wasn't bad. Like I don't want to call classified as bad. It was just damn. I was so I was looking forward to that four two nine four two five from him. And then so the four four. He's the only guy in this draft that a four four felt like a letdown. We'll leave it that way. That's how fast he looks on the screen. So, so we got a little bit of the good and the bad. And the question for you is, who was a surprise? Who's one that really stuck out to you? Where a couple of surprises were like, oh, that guy. Uh, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, I'm going to go back to receivers, actually. Uh, I'm going to go to West Virginia's wide receiver, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, kind of measures up like DK Metcalf. Ran a 4.38, 41-inch vert, which, by the way, is a half inch taller than than uh, DK's. And uh, athleticism score, an 87 out of, out of 100. Um, looked absolutely fantastic. Really just, I mean, we're talking about a guy who never cracked more than 700 receiving yards in a single season. So... <laughs> It, it, it does not look great on paper for this guy, but as far as testing went, 
really tested well. Kind of surprised me, uh, uh, you know, as far as that goes. As far as somebody I haven't already mentioned, I'm just like could have gone with Zach Coons again because nobody expects a six foot seven tight end to look at as good as he did. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with Ford Wheaton here in in, in my surprise pick for uh, receivers. Awesome. Yeah, he definitely stood out as well too. I think he could be a diamond in the rough type of guy, like a third, fourth round guy, where it's like, oh, well, he's going to produce for us really quickly. Surprisingly, he's not. He can play special teams as well with that size. You could put him throughout the field as well too. So I think he's a definite, definite mover. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give us two, so we'll be able to circle back and you'll be able to give us one more as well too. Because I, I have one that I actually mean and one that was surprising, but not that it matters so much. So the one I'm going to start with is I would say Stetson Bennett was a little bit surprising. He's obviously not a first round quarterback, not even a second round quarterback. You don't even take him to be your starter, but he had a, he had the same fastball rate score, quote unquote, when they tested like ball velocity, where they used like a fastball gun as Will Levis. They both had 59 miles per hour, which doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just kind of surprising to see, obviously. When he threw the deep ball, it looked pretty good. He threw a couple of absolute dimes that landed perfectly in the bread basket. Four, six, seven, 40, not great, but not bad by any means for a quarterback as well, too. I mean, he's in the same speed ranges where Andrew Luck and Cam Newton and those guys were as well, too. So he's not too far off from them. He just, he's a smaller guy, still like, what is a 5'11? Like he's nothing, nothing is extravagant. Not saying he's now a first round pick, but just he looked pretty good considering leading into this. We were expecting to laugh at him, basically. Like the plan was to laugh at him, especially with some of the other stuff he's had since the end of the college football season. Hey, fastest 44 or 45 year old. So I can still laugh at him about that. Speaking of which, he is this, he is about one, he is not even a full year younger than Lamar Jackson and is currently going through the combine. Just throwing that out there, NFL owners. But the, I'm not, so it was surprising, but not like in a big deal. It's just like, oh, that was a really good deep ball. Oh, you got a little zing to it. Oh, you ran a little faster than I thought. Like he, he was a little bit better everywhere than I thought he'd be. Not enough to propel him, but just, you know, it was a good for you. But the one that I think did make himself some money was the previously mentioned Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia as well, too. Not only did he measure, measure giant like we expected, the way he blocked that sled compared to everybody else, like you were supposed to just kind of hit that sled and move it a little bit. He was, he, there was him and then everybody else. Like it was a clear gap as far as what he showed as a blocker. He he was better than offensive lineman pushing the, 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 yeah, the sled. That was stupid. Exactly. It was absolutely like he had it. Absolutely. When it came to the receiving drills too, I, everyone remembers his one-handed Odell on that little fade route, getting the feet in as well, too. Showed the ability to run those routes pretty well. Really good hands on all those drills. A 4-6-40 for a guy who's 6 7 260 on top of it. You're telling me if I run that guy up the seams, get him like that 10-yard head start, just zip the ball in between the linebackers and the safeties in a zone? Good luck to those safeties dealing with that thing coming at 4-6 speed at that. Hey, wait, even the thumper, even like the Derwin James and the Jamal Adams are like, ooh. Not a business decision, but I'm going to hopefully trip those feet because I'm not squaring him up the head on if he gets a full head of steam. And you see what he can do in blocking. Chips the end, gets a, chips the end, rolls out to the flat, get him the ball in space. I liked a lot of what I saw with the injury to Kincaid and Michael Mayer not exploding. Maybe Washington climbs himself up into that first tight end drafted very possibly. It's a very good tight end class, but I you never know with Washington. And he comes from that big program, did it on the big stages as well too. Unfortunately, sh- overshadowed a little bit by the best tight end in the country playing on the opposite side of him and Brock Bowers the last two years. But I think Washington could be, I think he could climb himself into that tight end one category really quickly, just showing those athletic traits and the ability to block. That is very underrated as well, too. The way, not just block, but like murder block, like block like offensive lineman. Like in the run game, you get him from defensive end to linebacker. Sorry, linebacker. Sorry, defensive end. Sorry, I think really, defense yeah. in general. Sorry, everything in his warpath. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was 
Darnell Washington had probably one of the more impressive ones I've seen. Um, since you did two, I'm going to double back and, and do double. an extra one because I have to. I can't <laughs> let you be the only one that cheats the system here. Um, I'm going to go City South, uh, offensive guard for Eastern Michigan. Talk about impressive. Uh, came in, measured up 6'4", basically over 6'4 and a half. Uh, weight sitting at 323 for an offensive guard. Not a bad situation. Jumped a 32-inch vert for an offensive lineman that's a 9.45 on the, the relative athletic scale. Broad jump of 9 feet. Um, it, it, like Very impressive, just basic stats. But then you talk about his quickness. Uh, ran a, had a 1.8 uh, 10-yard split. Not great, but still better than average. 20-yard split, though, 2.92, which means like out on a screen, things like that. Pulling 9.18 on the relative athletic scale there. And then you talk about his three-cone drill, ran a 7.62 in that, uh, 8.49. And then on top of that, almost knocked three different uh, three guys on their butts in the blocking drills. And those guys walking the pads have probably some of the better balance you've ever seen because most of them are former defensive linemen and offensive linemen. So they have pretty good balance, and they're just usually not getting knocked over. And City South, I mean, just with a simple half punch to the, to the pad, almost knocked over three different guys. So uh, impressive to see the see, see the strength there. Did not measure his bench at all, so we'll have to see how that goes. And I mean, especially for offensive guards, that punch is really really effective, getting guys off their off their mark. Especially when you're going against a guy like Aaron Donald, who likes to do a jump step through through your offensive line. You can hit him with that punch in the middle of the jump. That knocks him off of his entire game, and that's what a lot of offensive linemen have learned to set to get him off and you know off 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 a spot. So. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how City South turn what he turns into, but I do like his combine draft, um, uh, combine prep here. I do think it pushed him up for me in the offensive lineman category, especially with some of the other performances from some of the better offensive linemen. Maybe he's this year's Quinn Miners for you as well, too. Definitely someone to keep an eye out for as well, too. There's there's a lot to like, a lot of good players at the combine as well, too. And I'm definitely looking forward to pro day season as well, too. We'll definitely keep an eye on that, as well as what's going to happen with this draft order. And there's a the NFL offseason is one of the best dramas not named the NBA trade deadline or offseason as well, too. It's always always a blast and arguably almost more fun than the actual season itself at some points as well, too. But definitely a lot for us to look forward to. But that is going to do it for our main event, and that is now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is Crunch Time, brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash Hilo Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial. Bet smarter, not harder. Follow all the trends and different betting lines, odds, everything you need to hopefully win yourself a little bit of money in the sports betting world. It's definitely helped us a little bit of recap. Some of our, uh, wild, uh, what's, how should we call it? Adventures into trying to do it on our own. It's definitely helped us recover a couple dollars here and there as well too. So we're not, so that way we, that way we're not in the point where we're filing for bankruptcy or anything like that. But for crunch time, we like to spend, a, we just like to quickly touch on a few things in the sports world as well. I'll go and run with mine first really quickly. We're going to go to the octagon and John Jones, he did it again, but this time it's not in a bad way. I'm saying this in a good way. He goes up to heavyweight. Not only does he show up, not only does he make the walk, not only does he compete, not only does he win, he does without breaking a sweat. He went in there. It was the most effortless win of his career, arguably, as well, too. A clean performance. He knew what Serial Gun's weakness was, struggles with wrestling, wastes no time, grabs him, chokes him. Game over in, like, 200 seconds. Absolutely fantastic performance. Talk is him and Steve Amy Ochich next. If Steve Amy still has it, it's been a long time since we've seen him. He's 40 years old, but if he still has it, Oh boy, we got ourselves arguably the best fight of all time. And I, I for one, can't wait. Once again, John Jones does it. So far, no shenanigans have come out. So the man's an absolute freak. And if you look at it, he has more title fight wins than literally anybody, than most of these other guys have total fights in the UFC. He has been absolutely incredible. 
if I'm not mistaken, the math was if you include all this title reigns and times of the belts, it's been like over 22,000 days or something like that, which is a fourth of the UFC's t- existence. Like his, he's a, he's absolutely incredible. We're two, sorry, not hours, 2000 something days. Like he's just incredible. He's been around since he won the belts in 2011. Think about where we were in 2011 and where we're at now. Everything that's happened since then. And he's still around uh, collecting hardware. Absolutely impressive. Absolutely incredible. So for all of his other shenanigans, Tip of the cat to you, sir, because no one has done it quite like you have, and it's going to be a long time before you see someone able to accomplish what he's done. Yeah, no, it was a impressive return, to say the least. Uh, for me, look, it's International Women's Day. It's Women's History Month as well. So it's a, kind of a double dip, but I'm going to stick with one person for both categories. I'm going Lisa Leslie. Uh, if you guys don't know, Lisa Leslie was the first woman to dunk in, an, uh, dunk in a WNBA game in the history of the WNBA. But, like, it didn't start there. It started as a kid. Look, she was she had over 100 college recruiting letters before ever starting high school. She is the only high school, only middle school girl to be in the Olympic Girls Development League who's competing against basically high school seniors. Uh, she went to Morningside High School in California, freshman of the year, lost in the state championship her sophomore year, won the state championship her junior year. And at 16, she was invited to the U.S. Junior National Team. Traveled, won the world championship in Spain with that USA team. She's the only high school on the team. But going back to her high school days as a senior, she set the record for 101 points in the first half of a game. She also won the state championship that year, second consecutive year, won the Naismith Award for nation's top high school player. She did go to USC, though, after that. And this is a time, mind you, that the WNBA had not really made its appearance because, well, in her entire time there, 92, 93, 94, she never had an opportunity to go straight to the WNBA. So she was down there playing in Italy, trying to do do something other than just the Olympics. But in 97, once the WNBA was brought to the U.S., she was able to play in the WNBA, and the rest is kind of history at that point in time, setting, well, breaking records and breaking boundaries her entire career. She is one of the best and most well-known female basketball players in the world and continues to be known for, for basketball as she's now coaching in the big three. She's now part of the basketball hall of fame back in 2015. And she just, look, she just keeps doing what she's doing. And and, and she's also part team owner as well. So um, you got a lot going on there for Lisa Leslie, but you know, she's my feature for, for women's history month, episode two international women's day today. Lisa Leslie is the, the feature for me. Absolutely. A rock star to say the least in the world of women's sports and athletics as well. So it continues to do it in very different ways. So definitely a very good highlight for today as well, too. But that is going to do it here for us today on the High Low Sports Podcast. We always appreciate you guys tuning in with us live or if you checked us out afterwards on one of your favorite podcast listening devices as well, too. We greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you for hanging out with us and we will see you all again next week.